0: good job I could never reach those heights no never reach those heights Claire did tell me about the eternal loop that you were singing a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday evening when you were singing the same words round and round again much better much better alright let's get into the word of God we're in the age of promise kids you in you out you in you out, out. Um, if you want to get your bibles open to genesis chapter 12 i am pleased to report that i have happened upon the right medical concoction to help my voice vocal A's are the way forward so they seem to be working well so there was there was numerous people spoke to me during the week and said uh, yeah we was seen you couldn't speak when you were preaching last week well, thanks for that but yes, so um, much better. All right, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer first and then we'll get into what he has for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We thank you, Lord, for those hymns that we've sung uh, this evening. And Lord, we thank you for the truths that contained in there. And I pray, Lord, that the truths that we sung from our lips would indeed be the meditations of our hearts, that we would love you, Lord, and live out the life that you've given us. Lord, as we come to our studies this evening, I pray, Lord, you would help us to retain and just to see as we look through this uh, issue of the dispensations, to see that you've always been on the throne, Lord, even as we've seen this morning, and you've always been a gracious God, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would just teach us, uplift us, that your word is true and it can be trusted, and Lord, also help us to see that no matter the depravity of the human heart, the grace of God can always reach lower. And we thank you for that, Lord. So again, just help us, help me this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so dispensations. This sounds much better. What a struggle it was last week. The dispensations. So last week we looked at the dispensation of, or the age of? Government. Well done, William. Age of government. And, and as we've been going through this, I've been, I've been highlighting what are the characteristics, you know, how do you define a dispensation? I've given you a Schofield's kind of quote, which is a dispensation is a period of time during which man is tested in respect to his obedience to some specific revelation of the word of God. Now, again, this is not to do with salvation. This is simply obedience to God, okay? And we've looked through the different dispensations. I've told you the primary characteristics, which are there's a different governing relationship in each administration or economy. That's where we get the word dispensation from the greek word economia Um, there's a responsibility that's given to man and there's revelation that's given that wasn't previously given by god and we call this progressive revelation so that we get here we're going to see abraham god is revealing more specifics to uh, abraham than was ever revealed to adam and eve in the age of innocence god is revealing more and then the, the secondary characteristics is what, what we've been primarily looking at, is there's a test, a responsibility, a judgment, a failure, and then even in the failure we're going to see the grace of God. So last last week we looked at the age of government. The test was to scatter and multiply. The failure, they didn't scatter, they converged. We looked at the Tower of Babel, didn't we, and how that was a, a, a center of astrology, and we were looking at how you can point um, the majority of uh, pagan religion and false religion back to the stars the moon the solar system which God warned against specifically he said you'll, you'll, you'll be driven to worship those things stay away from them and that's what happens today you know, Islam, the moon god, you know, you look at the Egyptians, you look at the uh, Romans and, and you see the, the constellations and it's, it's all to do with the stars. And uh, God warns against that and, and we know that the heavens were created to declare the glory of God. But again, instead of worshiping the creator, man comes along and starts to worship the creation and that's what Paul talks about in, in Romans. Mm-hmm. So the judgment was the confusion of languages and we've we seen how that, that would naturally scatter and, and disperse. And there was grace in there because you have the godly uh, line of, of Shem in there and God is preserving a remnant and there's always grace and, 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 and God in that judgment and spreading them out and dispersing them is actually keeping them from their own evil and wickedness. Because if the man is left to the, his own devices we find that man just continually gets more wicked and wicked and wicked and wicked. And that's what happened in Genesis and that's why God had to judge with such severity so that there was only eight souls left because man's heart was continually wicked. Uh, So now we're moving on. We're moving on to after the time of of Babel and we're entering into this dispensation called the age of promise or the age of family. And what's happening here is that um, God is now honing things in because previously he's been dealing with humanity in general. But now he's going to hone in on a family, Really Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which we know as is Israel. And 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 God's gonna hone in on them. So it's a change of, of tact, if you like, from God in this dispensation. So, first of all, the responsibility, you don't need that up there because we know it we know it. The responsibility. What's the responsibility in this age? Remember, those are the things that we're we're looking for here. So, nine generations after Shem, Abraham was born. Okay? Abraham was about 75 years old. He's living in Ur of the Chaldees. One day God spoke to him. Now, we looked at Abraham a while back, didn't we? And we've seen that actually he got a couple of calls in his life. He gets stuck in Haran, and often we do that. But dealing with what we call the Abrahamic covenant, and this is where we get to Genesis chapter number 12, and these are this is familiar, I'm sure, to you, where God makes a covenant with Abraham that is unconditional, very important, we're going to look at the covenants after we finished uh, the dispensations because that's very important also in packing everything together in terms of salvation and everything else in the new covenant but this covenant that is given is unconditional that means God doesn't put conditions on it When when we when we look at the law which comes next there's it's very much conditional God says if you will I will conditions here There's not really conditions. The only thing you could even say was a condition we're going to find in verse 1. So let's read that. Uh, Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. You could possibly say that's a condition. But it's not really forming the Abrahamic covenant. So you're stretching Verse two, And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee, and and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this is is the Abrahamic covenant, and God's making some promises to Abraham here, or to the family really is is what's going on here. Um, Verse 2 says he's going to make Abraham a a great nation. Um, He says he's going to bless him. He's going to make his name great. Um, it's going to make him a blessing to others all contained there in verse 2 there's an absolute plethora of promises in there what God's going to do uh, through Abraham he's going to bless those that bless him verse 3 he's going to curse those that uh, curse him and again um, this continues on and we see this in in Israel that that comes from Abraham Abraham Isaac and Jacob obviously we looked a little bit this this morning in Deuteronomy 28 and made the blessings and, and, and the cursings for Israel those who cursed Israel would suffer. And ultimately they did. And you can see that. Um, one of my favorite things about going to Israel. I am going to flag this up. If anybody's interested in going to Israel next year in October. Um, I am running the trip with Pastor Darren Rogers. Uh, we, I did one with him two or three years ago. and It's his turn now. And I'm kind of piggybacking on. But if you are interested in that. I'll bring the flyers in and, and, and put them at the back. And you can have a look at that. Um, lord Willem will go at the end of uh, october next year but one of the favorite things um from my first trip to israel was you know you get get all these t-shirts you know i mean it's commercialized a little bit but if any of you have been to israel you've come back with one of these t-shirts you know i love israel or you know um whatever it may be but there's one i have i still have it it doesn't really fit because i i went in 2010 the first time so i've put on a bit of beef since then but I've kept it. And it's, uh, it's a list of all Israel's enemies down one side, Israel on the other side, and they're all crossed out Babylonians, gone. Syrians, gone. And on and on it goes. And it says Israel's still standing. Why? Because God promised that family, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. You go against Israel at your peril. You absolutely do. And, and countries, I, I still believe this today, countries rise and prosper and how they treat Israel. Why? Because that's what God said. That's what God said all the way back in Genesis 12. And of course, you know, the, the promises here won't be completely fulfilled until the end times, if you like. But um, a, lot, a lot of them have, and certainly in terms of those nations. Uh, also then, verse 3, it says, uh, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And of course, we're talking about that messianic line here so wonderful promises and uh so this this covenant the Abrahamic covenant just like the Noahic covenant before has a sign The the covenant and the sign was the rainbow remember we looked at that and how the, the word in Hebrew is battle bow um when we get into the Abrahamic covenant it's it's a slightly more severe sign if you like circumcision uh in Genesis 17 that's that's the sign um and then God also revealed as part of this covenant the boundaries of the land that would be given to to um, Abraham. So if you go to Genesis 15. So in, your, in, you know, in the Abrahamic covenant, you'll find it repeated and re-given. So Genesis 15, um, verse 12. This is part of it. And here Abraham's put into a deep sleep. This shows you the unconditional nature of this. Because Abraham's asleep for this covenant and this ceremony. Uh, Genesis fifteen verse twelve, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them; they shall afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge. And the substance shall come out with great, su- and they shall come out with great substance, and they shall go unto their. Fathers, in peace, they shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And when it came to pass, when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land, from the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And you can look at the map today, and Israel in their history has never... To this point, had the land, as in given those boundaries that God give, God give to Abraham as part of the Abrahamic covenant. That means they will one day. It's yet to be fulfilled. That's the land that they'll be given. First uh, 19 the Canaanites, the Cadmonites, the, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephimes, and Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So here, uh, God is ratifying this covenant. And, and I want you to notice that Abraham is asleep for all this. You know, there's, there's no contract negotiation. In a contract or an agreement, especially of, of this type, where they would get the pieces of animals and they would, they would split them and, and then they would walk down, down the middle, the custom was that two parties would take, take part in this and they both had to walk it. But it's only God that does this and, and he, he walks along as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passes between the pieces. I mean, Abraham's in a deep sleep and it says, The Lord said unto Abraham, it's unconditional this is a covenant filled with grace do you remember last week what i told you the number of grace was clues in the hand five 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 look at um verse first uh, nine of genesis 15 these are the animals that are used And he said unto him, Take me a heifer three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took of him all these and divided them in the midst and laid them one piece uh, against another, but the birds he divided not. Verse 9. How many animals are involved here? Five. Five. Coincidence? Never. Never in the word of God. Because this is a covenant filled with grace. It's filled with grace. Did Abraham deserve this? Did he do anything to earn it? No. It's all of grace. And God gives it to him. It's beautiful. It's unconditional uh, covenant. and, And God himself binds himself to this covenant. That's why we can say with a that God is not finished with Israel because this is the age of promise or the age of family. And that family is not a Gentile family. It's not. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the children of Jacob, Israel. They will be the ones that get this, these promises fulfilled when they inherit the land in its fullest sense. That's nothing to do with the church. Nothing to do with the church at all. It's for abraham and his family so god gives it uh, in genesis 15 genesis 22 um verses 1 to 18 again uh there's a reaffirming uh, abraham passes this his severest test if you like um we know this account of uh, isaac being offered to the lord and uh you know even even in this there's a beautiful picture Beautiful pictures. Um, I don't want to go too down rabbit trails, but Isaac is a picture of Christ. Beautiful picture of Christ. Actually, it's one of the, um, one of the, the pictures. That actually, the more you dig, the more you find. And how this picture of Christ, you know, uh, Isaac and Jesus were both the, the beloved sons of their fathers. Um, both Isaac and Jesus are identified as sons of Abraham. Uh, both were offered in sacrifice. Uh, the sacrifice was offered in the land of Moriah, both sons carried the wood for the sacrifice. Both sons laid down their lives willingly. You know, you know, and I know that you know this, that Isaac wasn't a little baby. He laid himself down willingly. Both were burned, placed on top of wood. Um, both sons were resurrected or given back on the third day. So you read that when when it's the third day, when the, the altar's there. So, you know, there's wonderful pictures of, of Isaac and Christ. Um, and then when you, when you follow the story on, you get into Ch- Genesis chapter 24. The, the next mention really of, of Isaac here uh, after this event is in verses 1 to 4. And it said, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had uh, blessed Abraham and all things. And Abraham said to his eldest servant of the house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that thou shalt take a, 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 uh, not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites uh, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go into my country, into my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And this is the very next mention of of Isaac. And what we find happening is that Abraham, um, who's a picture also of God the Father, who sends out his servant to go out and find the bride for Isaac. Picture of the Holy Spirit. Who goes out to find a bride for Christ. Christ. Um, So the servant is a, is a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. You get a little bit further on there. In verse number sixty-two, and you find Isaac is mentioned again here, and it says, and Isaac came from the way of the well of Laharoi, for he dwelt in a south uh, country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening tide He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said as my master therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that she had done. And Isaac brought her to his mother's Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So here we see the picture continue. That the next time we, we see Isaac is when the servant has found a bride. That bride being Rebecca, a picture of the church and the Lord uh, comes to meet the church, doesn't he? The bride that's prepared. We know that from scripture. So we see the same imagery and pictures going through this family that God has honed into. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And we see this carried through and we see the wonderful promises of God, but also a picture of the application of the church family that's going to come along a little bit later on with Christ as our, uh, our redeemer and our groom so it's wonderful wonderful pictures here in this uh, age of promise because there's a promise to Abraham and there's a promise to Israel but we can see shadows and types and 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 pictures of the promise to the church today but they're only pictures because one interpretation remember absolutely one interpretation and the Abrahamic covenant is really for Israel it's for Israel Um, so getting back to this dispensation this dispensation of promise it began with the abrahamic covenant there's a blessing there that it begins with and and this is the first time that god has made promises to a specific group of people at the exclusion of others because that's what it its is first time and and the manner of response that god expected in this dispensation was nothing less than he expected before it's not rocket science all he wanted was obedience that's all he wanted obedience so how does Abraham do let's get back to Genesis 12 we we know this don't we because we went through it not too long ago Abraham's told he's told to go to Canaan which he ends up going he gets there eventually doesn't he took a bit longer than he should gets stuck in Haran but he gets there and he's there not very long and he's and, and the test is there and we going to trust God Am I going to obey God when my senses, when everything that I'm looking at is telling me to do something else? Am I going to trust the sovereign God? Now we can take absolute application for that today, can't we? Are we going to trust him when all around us tells us to do something else? How does he do? Well, let's have a look at the failure. First 10. Same old, same old. There's failure, there's failure, there's failure. Verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. What has Abraham done here? He's left the place of blessing. Why? Well, there's famine. I'm going to starve. How am I going to provide? I know. I'll go to Egypt. Egypt, a picture of the world. You You can see what's going on here. It's a test. It's a test. And you know, only a few verses before that, God has said to him, appeared to him again and said, I will be with you. I'm going to be with you. And Abraham really should have said, you know what? God's with me. Doesn't look like anything good's going to happen here, but God's with me and God said, this is where you need to be. This is the place of blessing, Abraham be there but there's failure Abraham disobey he goes down into Egypt that you know he doesn't have enough trust at that point to stay where he should and that sets a precedent that gets worse as we go down the family generations here and you'll see it appear so sadly but predictably even at the very start Abraham feels Abraham feels because that's what humans do that's our natural thing is to do the opposite of what God wants us to do (laughs) because often it seems like what God wants us to do is the opposite of what the rational thing to do is or the logical thing or the natural thing I'm hungry, go with the food in that's natural but God works in the supernatural be in the place of blessing wherever that is, and do not move from it. Abraham moved. And, and really, you know, it, it, it sets in in in, in uh, role in motion a series of events that absolutely ends up with, when you get there, you know, 22 years later, uh, Joseph sold into slavery, and we find what's going on. Genesis 46, let's have a look. Where does the whole family end up? Egypt. Where was the family called to? Canaan. That was the promised land. Genesis 46 and verse 6. And they took their cattle and their goods, which they had got in the land of Canaan, came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him. So Abraham and his descendants, the family, feels the test of the fourth dispensation. And and the character of each of those family members degenerates. And and, and and you can see that. So you've got Abraham, you know, he he, he, he falls, he fails, uh, but you know, and, and when he gets into Egypt, tells some porky pies, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Then we get Isaac comes along. And Isaac's got a tendency for that. Who comes next? Jacob. What's his name mean? Supplanter the savor, he gets worse. So the family's failed. This family that God had honed into failed. They failed. Now, you know, we don't stand in judgment because we fail God all the time. The difference is we're in the church age. We'll talk about that when we get there. So once again the test has failed and you know you can see this you know it goes on in the generations and it falls down it filters down you get to the sons of Israel and you find them getting up to all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff you know with prostitutes and adultery and all that sort of stuff later on in Genesis so the test has failed once again so if the test has failed what comes next judgment judgment um, so what, what is the judgment Well, they're sent into bondage. Exodus, chapter number 1. Exodus, chapter number 1. Remember from this morning, the word moves history. Israel is exactly where God wants them to be because of their response to him. This is not some hap accident that they've happened in bondage in Egypt. This is in the divine purposes of God Dealing with his disobedient people. Verse 8 of Exodus 1. Now there there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph, and said unto his people, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Now here's a little thing that I want you to pick up on. It says there in in, in verse 8, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And you think about this. You think, well is the scripture saying that before this that everything was rosy and for the people it probably seemed like that but it wasn't it wasn't because they weren't where they should be and even though it was prosperous up until this point they weren't in a good place because they weren't in god's place that's so important to them it must have seemed well this is brilliant you know We have a history, we have a heritage here, there's some power, there's some authority, we're prospering. But actually, the decay was slow, but it was there because they should have been where God wanted them to be. So even though our circumstances, especially in this land, you know, we have a lot of freedoms, we have a lot of liberties, but don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted, don't abuse that. Don't say, well, we can just sit back. We have to be doing what God wants us to do and we have to be where God wants us to be no matter what it looks like. But we get to this point, there arises a new king and uh, you know, he says the people of the children of Israel are more than mightier than we... Uh, verse 10 Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass, when there falleth out any war, they join our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set them over taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve uh, with rigour. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and all manner of service in the field and all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So the climax of this dispensation, we find the children of Israel, the family that the promise was given to. It begins with blessing, Genesis 12. We get all the way along here and we find what? Burden. Burden. They're under the taskmaster's whip. Why? Because of just in a series of unfortunate events? No. Because they weren't where God wanted them to be. And they cry out, and, you know, God ultimately sends the deliverer. And, and and that's what we see. You know, that's God's grace. There's always God's grace. The judgment here, they're under the taskmaster's hand. They're in Egypt. They're in a, in, in a desperate place. And it's out of that desperate place that they cry out to God and God answers. What a God we have that he answers and he hears even after the disobedience. And that's where we see God's grace. Begin with a blessing, we end with a burden, but God comes in and shows grace. He sends Moses raises that man up, puts his hand upon the people and delivers him out of the land. And it's amazing that God would do that. It's amazing that he would reach out and, 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 and keep on with the human race, even in the face of such disobedience. And, and, and what it shows us here in the Age of Promise, and what we're going to see all the way through this, is no matter what God does, no matter how he sets up the circumstances, no matter how um, safe and secure it looks from an earthly point of view, from the human heart, man will always fall into disobedience to God because of the sin nature that lies within. Always. People today say, you know, if I just had this, 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 and this, if, if the world was a better place and, you know, if we could, you know, we'd be much more, obedient or we'd be much better or whatever it may be what we see here is is god honed in in this family said that he would be with them personally still they rebel still they fail. no matter how god chooses to administer the affairs of men man will always prove a failure without god that's the huge lesson in the progressive revelation of God, the wonder for us this morning, as we say it this morning, this evening, as we think about this age of promise, and we think about the promises that God has even for us today, is that God persists in showing us grace. But He is the God of all grace. One Peter chapter five verse ten. We'll close with that this evening. I think it's on the screen. Is it? Yeah, it is. But the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, strengthen, sell you. I'm thankful this evening that we have a God of all grace. Because what we'll see through these dispensations and we've, we've, that's our fourth one now and we've seen time and time again no matter how simple the test man fails. No matter how unconditional the test is and the blessings are, man will still run away and just treat that with apathy. And you say, well, ah, uh, we're the church. We're much better. We've got much more revelation than, than Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had. And we do. We do. We sung it this morning. What more hath he said to you than what he said? We have the complete word of God. But folks, the church is no different. They're no different. We take the promises of God and we abuse them, we neglect them, and we cast them aside as we look to do our own thing. I pray this evening that we would learn the lessons from old. Let's be obedient unto God. He is the God of all grace, but let's not abuse that grace and take it for granted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. We thank